Hello, and welcome to The Library Coven, a bi-weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly YA fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. Why? Because critique is our fangirl love language, because talking about books is pretty magical. I'm Jessie. And I'm Kelly. And for our final episode of season four, we read Lost in the Neverwoods by Aidan Thomas. This is a retelling of a classic Peter Pan tale with several twists that we'll be sure to discuss. We are saving all of the action (laughs) for the episode we have not discussed prior. The story begins five years after Wendy Darling, a high school senior, and her two younger brothers, John and Michael, went missing in the woods behind their house. Wendy returned six six months after disappearing, but her brothers never did. So, as more young kids start to go missing, Wendy starts recovering some of her memories, reunites with Peter Pan, and she's like, is this really Peter Pan? Spoiler alert, it's really Peter Pan. (laughs) And then the two work together to solve the mystery. Chaos ensues. Chaos ensues. (laughs) It's our last episode of the season. We'll be back in the summer with more book discussions, but if you want to keep in touch in the meantime slash influence the books that we read coming forward, then you should join our Patreon. You can do so for as little as $1 a month. And yeah, the Discord's already, it's already running amok with ideas for next season. So many book choices. (laughs) Initial reactions. First, I have to say that I love Peter Pan. It was one of my favorite stories growing up. So I was really excited to read this story. I really love Lost in the Neverwoods. I love the characters, the backstory, and pretty much everything except for one thing, which I will talk about later. (laughs) One kind of big thing. Okay, yes. One kind of big thing, but... (laughs) We'll, we'll get into it. What did you think? <laughs> I also really loved Peter Pan. I've, I love the like gender fuckery that is has always been associated with the character. Lost in the Neverwoods was a little bit slow to start for me, but I love the chemistry between Wendy and Peter. Very slow burn, lots of pining. And I appreciate how much Aidan Thomas delves into the effects of trauma on like a family unit and not just on an individual level. Lots of good meaty things to discuss with like mental health and stuff like that. Um, recommend if you like I think if you like Peter Pan you'll like this story because it's based on Peter Pan by J.M. Barry Cemetery Boys which is by Aidan Thomas I would say these books those two books have like similar vibes maybe the Folk of the Air series because you know fairies chaos (laughs) all the things (laughs) other worlds yeah I was thinking the Brooklyn Brewhouse series for the same reason like kind of portal fantasy different worlds light on the romance yes yeah and also if you appreciate YA books that are light on romance I think you'll like this book I think this is me like signposting for Gray who sometimes appreciates books with less romance (laughs) um so I thought of you (laughs) why did we choose this book I think because we both like cemetery boys I think that might be it (laughs) I think that is it yep I mean, I like the cover. Oh, the cover is gorgeous. You saw it was Peter Pan and you love Peter Pan. So we were like, yeah. we're putting it must on read, there. Must read, must read. Time to talk about world building in Through the Wardrobe. I feel like we say this every time we read a book that takes place in our real world. <laughs> Certainly this season we have been saying it. Yeah. 
we don't normally read books that take place in our real world, but this one does. But Peter Pan and Neverland are real. That's kind of like most of the magic that takes place in this book. So like this book takes place in like the Pacific Northwest. I think kind of like in Oregon or something like that. Somewhere cool and with beautiful looking woods. <laughs> I was kind of expecting a portal fantasy. Me too. With the whole Neverland thing. You know, I was expecting maybe something more along the lines of what L.L. McKinney did with um, Alice in Wonderland, you know? Exactly. Yeah, but I was that too. that is not what happened in this book. And so I guess I found that a little bit disappointing because, I don't know, I like to escape to a fantasy realm. Mm-hmm. That's why I like fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> it's escapism, y'all. <laughs> y'all, it's entertainment. It's escapism. It's imagining things otherwise. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of felt like very Stepford Wivesy, Oregon small town which is fine like that's a fine backdrop right but yeah I don't know not I don't know maybe just because I'm not like in love with that scenery but I can see like someone who is really enjoying that part of the novel yeah and I feel like Aiden Thomas writes a lot of like mystery-esque fantasy like Cemetery Boys was kind of a mystery this book was kind of a mystery um so it's like a mystery fantasy and mystery is not one of my favorite genres it might be one of my least favorite genres Mm-hmm. but I think that he does a good job of like mixing mystery and fantasy together this one's like obviously lighter on the fantasy magic. yeah on the magic part um but Cemetery Boys also wasn't like huge on the magical elements either so maybe that's just what he enjoys writing and that's also fine <laughs> yeah that's fine <laughs> let's discuss all things magic So Peter has magic and can do things like fly and using pixie dust, kind of similar to the story, except like pixie dust is part of him and like it's what created him as opposed to Peter being like stolen away by fairies when he was a baby. And Neverland has all the fairies and creatures that are part of the J.M. Barry story, but we only really spend time in Neverland and Wendy's dreams slash memories. So we don't really get to see a lot of the like magical elements that you would expect of a Peter Pan story. Especially because Peter's been like, there's the whole subplot about him losing his magic, right? Mm -hmm. Ever since he falls in love with Wendy or starts having romantic feelings for Wendy and then takes her to Neverland and then shit hits the fan because he starts losing his magic and stuff. Yeah. And I just like, I think I expected there to be more magical elements because even like in Peter Pan, like I always remember like the line, like when the first fairy laughed for the first time, that was the like beginning of fairies. Like, I don't know why that six, I think I probably watched like Hook and the Jeremy Sumter 2003 Peter Pan like a million times as a kid slash teenager because I think I was a teenager in 2003. But like, I loved those movies which like pushed me into reading the book so I think I just expected there to be like more magical elements can you talk a little bit more about why you love them so much or why you think they resonated oh yeah okay so this probably gets a little bit into like what we're going to talk about when we start talking about like mental illness and trauma but like Uh when I was like really young because I watched Hook Hook came out and like I don't even know in the 90s sometime but I remember mm-hmm. watching it like all the time when I would go to my godmother's house like she had it on VHS again showing my age <laughs> <laughs> I do own it on DVD now <laughs> 1991 oh my god I am so old but anyways I came from like 
a fairly dysfunctional family and it was like always my dream like and I would sleep with the windows open in the summertime so like in my mind I was like Peter Pan please come take me away to Neverland I just like need to leave this space so it's kind of like um probably a little bit of like escapism and one of the reasons I like stories where people are like taken away from their families (laughs) Because I was like, this is the dream. Like, doesn't everyone want this? And then I grew up and I'm like, no, some people have functional, like, fine families and they don't want this. But I just really love this story growing up and I wanted to be Wendy and find my Peter, you know? Now that I'm older, I'm, like, glad I grew up and, you know, I get to enjoy all the things about being a grown-up. But being a grown-up's not really that fun, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It It has its high points. It has its moments. It has its moments. So we didn't really see like Peter flying and we saw some, <laughs> oh my God, I was just Peter's sword, but now I'm just like, that sounds like Penis. a euphemism and it's yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess like, I'm not thinking about the, we haven't talked about the shadow at all. So yeah. that would be like a big magical element also, yeah. you know, but we're not, it's not like the literally love and light magic. Yeah. So we haven't, maybe that's why we haven't talked about it. And we get no Tinkerbell, like. No Tinkerbell. No fairies. That part was sad. (laughs) Very sad. There's also a magic acorn. Yeah, I didn't really understand the significance of the magical acorn. Like, I think it's a plot device to get Wendy to remember her memories. Yeah, but it would like heat up and stuff. And I was just kind of like, we're not even going to talk about like the exchange of the acorn. Like, here's a kiss. Like, I don't know. I was like, I feel like the Peter Pan elements were included really well but some of the things I was like oh if people haven't read this story before or are not familiar with it I feel like you could do a little bit more with it than what we saw like I love this idea it's like because it's so like innocent to be like here's a kiss you know and then like, you give the acorn or whatever um, because Peter doesn't understand and like I was just like oh I kind of miss that you know <laughs> yeah the sort of like the whimsy mm-hmm. wasn't there yeah. yeah I saw some reviews on Goodreads where people are like this book was such a downer like it was like too morose and like a little bit slow and I think Cemetery Boys is also kind of slow at the beginning but I was like no it kind of makes sense given like all the trauma that's going on that it would be a little more like (laughs) sad (laughs) yeah and we have like more introspective characters Mm -hmm. yeah then we would get out of like child characters if Peter and Wendy were younger right exactly Now we're going to talk about conflict, villains, and good and evil in our segment. Get me Kylo Ren. Peter's shadow is the villain in the story, which is like all the bad things that Peter carries around with him. So maybe be like kind of Peter himself. I didn't know how to feel about this because because I love the original story and I don't ever think of the shadows being like something bad, but it was also kind of like, I don't know, maybe a very childlike outlook on having bad parts of yourself I don't know (laughs) what do you think it's such a like a rich metaphor I feel like this book could lead us into such juicy conversations about psychoanalysis psychoanalysis like the whole idea of a shadow self as these parts of ourself that aren't integrated because we're ashamed of them so we repress them or we don't look at them it's like very like Carl Jung you know stuff but I'm like hesitant to think that the shadow is like all bad you know what I mean? Like it's it's the way that we're orienting ourselves towards the thing that is quote unquote bad. You know, it's the shame rather than the like once you get to places like acceptance and honesty, you know, that's when the you in- start integrating some of these things and 
Anyway, I'm not a therapist, but I like therapy and psychoanalysis is cool. <laughs> it's also hard because I think the like shadow self is a part of Peter, but it's also like his love of Wendy that creates this like separation between him and his like shadow self, I guess. So I, I guess I don't really like the idea of like, oh, it was like your love of this other person that made this bad part of you. I'm like, damn Wendy's not like toxic or anything like this isn't like a toxic relationship I don't know so that part was just like kind of weird I guess you know what I mean yeah and he's like this kind of lone guardian figure right so he doesn't have any Peter doesn't have any mentors Mm -hmm. or like people to learn from so he's yeah like in this like I guess kind of stagnant non-grown-up space but then we're seeing him pitched into like growing up maybe means I don't know like doing bad shit yeah like reacting rather than responding to things Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's what they're talking about like with the shadow self if we're gonna read it metaphorically or whatever yeah Um, (laughs) or whatever (laughs) but I I agree with you that like I'm don't feeling feelings for Wendy isn't like a bad thing but in this paradigm that is the catalyst or no bringing her to Neverland was the catalyst right Mm mm-hmm but no, but then like uh, when they kissed and they really like acted on their feelings, that's when the, the shadow got like even more powerful or whatever. Yeah. As if like sex and romantic relationships are a bad thing for some reason. And I'm just right. like, I mean, they're not for everyone. That's fine. But like, let's not make it into like this shameful act or something. You know what I mean? I'm just like, Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then we have, like, no Captain Hook character, really. Like, maybe that, like, main cop is, like, the Captain Hook character because he is terrible at his job and, like, harassing Wendy or whatever. But we kind of, like, miss out on this, like, big bad character in the same way that we get with, like, Captain Hook in the original story. Yeah. I also feel like her dad maybe is, like, not the best. I mean, not we sound like a broken record just putting the dads in the (laughs) Kylo Ren section all the time. But it's, like, he was super controlling and i mean i get he has trauma yes mm-hmm. but and and at the same time like oh i didn't like the way he talked to wendy yeah well that's one of the things i really like about the jeremy sumter version so i forget the actor's name jason isaacs plays both captain hook and the dad and because like neverland's kind of like this fantasy place like i think you're supposed to see like that the dad is doing this bad thing and so like wendy like makes up a villain in her mind who is captain hook but looks like her dad so right maybe there's like something in there with that making the dad kind of shitty (laughs) and then there's this whole mr davies character that kind of seemed like a deus ex machina to explain the mystery to me i don't know if you felt similarly like he killed john and michael because he was drunk in the forest and i was i cut it like i get that this is a fiction i'm about to Okay. (laughs) To me, this felt contrived, forced, random, whatever. And I get that it's fiction. And so it's all fucking contrived. Yes. It's all made up. And at the same time, it was like, I don't know, this, this piece didn't really like fit for me. Like we don't have to get into, you can wait till kill your darlings if you want to go off. But, and then just like the whole altercation happened in the forest at the end and Wendy recovered her memories and it was like a very quick wrap up. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I think I won't spoil cemetery boys just in case anyone hasn't read it but i think cemetery boys was kind of similar to this where like we want the villain or the person who did the bad thing to be like kind of a big surprise and so mr davies like i never would have expected that it was him who killed john and michael and obviously we didn't actually know they were dead until the end so it was just kind of like a 
I was like, okay, I get it. Like we've kind of like if you're watching this as a movie, like you would see a little too much of Mr. Davies. Like he's interacting with the police, but he looks like kind of sketchy, like like concerned about interacting with them and like he would probably be played by someone so famous that you're like oh yeah he did it you know what I mean yeah yeah totally (laughs) but that doesn't it doesn't pan out that way in the book no I think that something like that is much harder to do in a book which is why I don't actually read mysteries because I'm like "Mm, if I can't figure it out from like the clues like the visual clues then I'm not going to figure it out and that's not as fun (laughs) yeah maybe it's just that I'm not as into mysteries yeah me either yeah so i agree with that onward magical friends just as one does not simply walk into mordor one does not simply read fantasy without talking about representations of race class gender and ability this is our segment about power and bodies and how they relate it takes a really long time for wendy to uncover her memories and trauma can do that to a person i appreciated how this is handled within the narration like between Wendy and her mom in a conversation on page 298 and 299 Wendy's mom is talking about this like selective amnesia for lack of a better term or like you know blocks mental blocks if you're having PTSD or you're after a traumatic event or something so Wendy's mom says the mind is a complicated thing sometimes it acts on its own and quite often it controls us against our will and I think sometimes it takes us away maybe not when we want it but when we need it I liked how this it's almost like a reclaiming of the the mind's ability to dissociate as like a protection mechanism. You know, it's not fully bad. It's like when you're caught in a fear loop and then you keep dissociating and you can't end the loop. That's when we get into issues. Right. With anxiety and things like that. But I I love how this novel handled this. I think this is one of the big strong points of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think we can kind of like relate that back to Wendy's like leaving and going to Neverland for the six months or whatever is kind of like a way of her deciding not to deal with the trauma at the moment, but also like kind of give her mind a break from what she has just witnessed. In the end of the book, we see Wendy getting help with anxiety with an anxiety disorder after the death of her brothers, and she's on meds for anxiety, which I don't think we see in a lot of the books that we read, maybe mostly because they don't take place in our world, um, so we don't really like have access to the same kinds of medicine. Um, but I think these kinds of things are just destigmatizing, and I was really glad to see how Wendy is like going to college, and she's seeing a therapist, and she's on medication to kind of help her with the things that she's experienced. And I thought that this was like a good way to handle that. Agree a thousand percent. I could be misremembering, which I say as I finished the book yesterday, but it seemed like there, was a, there wasn't a lot of diversity going on in the book in terms of race or class. And I feel like the story is ripe for like gender bending the story, playing with race and class of the characters, et cetera. So um, that was like the most disappointing part of the story to me, um, especially because I feel like, um cemetery boys did such a good job like bringing in i mean aiden thomas's own culture but i don't think the skin color of characters was really named and i think wendy has like blonde hair and uh peter has like auburn hair so like the assumption is that like the default is white um and so this was something i was kind of disappointed with hi laney (laughs) laney is also disappointed (laughs) and i think also the like the setting the oregon setting can sometimes be like a dog whistle for Mm -hmm. like this is a white community just because the pnw has a lot of issues with uh nazis and you know white supremacists and stuff so 
yeah, maybe that's just like something, a filter I'm bringing in, but I, I don't think you're misremembering. I think maybe Wendy's bestie Jordan is POC, but the fact that I like, I can't say definitively and I don't remember, like not a good sign. (laughs) Yeah. Totally left me wanting on this front. Like I was expecting, I don't know, more gayness, more radness, more, I don't know, like some like gender bending, like you said before. I agree with you that like there, I don't know, maybe something with the kids that are taken or I don't know, the shadow being less I, I don't, like having different motivations or something. I don't know. And I get that, like, just because the author is trans yeah, doesn't exactly. mean that we should, like, <laughs> expect all the books to be about, quote unquote, trans issues. Like, yeah. No, like, absolutely not. And so I, like, want to call myself out on that, right? Being like, did you just expect the book to be hella gay? Yeah, exactly. the author is queer? Um, and the answer to that question is, yes, I did. And that is, like, check your biases, Jesse. Like, <laughs> Yeah, same for me. Same for me. <laughs> like, I shouldn't, like queer people don't have to only write queer stories like you know and vice versa so it's kind of just like oh yeah like maybe i shouldn't put these pressures on queer writers or people who are well i guess Ian thomas is is white but like i don't know so maybe i should just like (laughs) check my expectations (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess i guess maybe we shouldn't just like assume going in you know yeah yeah but I did, so here I am calling myself out for making these assumptions. Um, yep. Do better, Jesse. <laughs> and, and Kelly, here we are. <laughs> we'll both do better. <laughs> okay, this is like totally off the topic that we were just talking about, but I loved Wendy's description of Peter as a quote-unquote noticer. You know, they're just like perceptive people mm-hmm. who are aware I don't know if you would use the term like empathetic or just maybe like hyper vigilant, fucking traumatized or whatever. <laughs> uh, but like Wendy says on page 216, and the worst thing about noticers with a capital N is that it was hard to hide from them. You know, it's like people are like, no, but how are you really? Like, don't give me the it's fine because like I can tell it's not fine. Yeah. But I just like this little tidbit. Mm. I hate a noticer. No, thank you. <laughs> Don't notice me ever. <laughs> Do not perceive me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like I wouldn't be true to my heart if I didn't say, ugh, police. I didn't even write it in there because I was like, I know Kelly will write <laughs> in this segment because it's just like anytime you have. I don't know, mysteries set in the quote unquote contemporary real world or whatever, you get police. And I'm just like, I don't I would prefer not. Thank you. And, but it's also, so I've read, I read another mystery this year. I don't remember the name of it. I think I posted about it on Instagram, but it's funny because I feel like so many mysteries involving the police, like the police are terrible at their jobs. So we also have inept police, like they're not doing good. <laughs> like they're like, Wendy, we need to talk to you. We think you're involved. And obviously at the end, she had nothing to do with it at all. But I'm like, what are you doing? Like, wh- why? <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like the the police are inept, and I like it would be nice if Wendy came to that realization, right? That or if she learned, I don't know, about like some fucking critical race theory in her high school class, and was like learned that police started as patrols trying to get formerly enslaved people back to their like quote unquote owners or whatever. And it's just like police protect property and white people, and like. I don't know. I would expect, not expect. I'm just like, maybe I just want more abolitionist, like overtly abolitionist ideals and values in fantasy, I guess. 
And it feels like uh, setting the story in the Pacific Northwest, where I think we see some more, like, maybe capital L liberals than we do in, like, other places in the United States. Like, you would yes. expect some more pushback, but I don't know. And the, like, I feel like it's the queen, it's the, like, the queen of the nimbies out there, the not in my backyard mm-hmm. folks, you know, where they're like, I support people experiencing homelessness and at the same time are voting for people who are abolishing encampments or whatever yeah, you know exactly yeah or like call the police on someone who slept outside of their house or whatever yeah so yeah. so maybe it all it all makes sense <laughs> Ugh, police <laughs> finally it's time for shipwrecked a segment about asexuality sexuality sex romance and relationships and sometimes we take liberties and do some shipping of our own so obviously Peter and Wendy, I think I have shipped Peter and Wendy for most of my life. Um, <laughs> you are all, you are committed to the ship. I am. This whole thing gets started because Peter loves Wendy. So it was kind of sad that they didn't get to be together, but that tracks with the actual Peter Pan story. So, yeah. Yeah. I was wondering how uh, Thomas was going to wrap this up, like how he was going to break them up, you know, because Peter can't grow up. Mm -hmm. like he has to serve his purpose or whatever and wendy is growing up she's a human so it was bittersweet for sure i appreciated how the epilogue kind of left a tiny glimmer of hope for potentially peter and wendy to reconnect sometime Mm -hmm. but i like that it didn't make promises about the fact that they were going to be together yeah because it seems almost impossible yeah I mean, I think he, like, we're supposed to assume he re- he's reverting back in age. <laughs> so also, Wendy's an adult and he's going to be a child. <laughs> so that's a no. So that's a, yeah, that's a hard no for me. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I like the ending. And we get to see her go to college. And actually, we don't read a lot of books where we see our characters get to go to college and, like, m- like grow up or move into that realm of, adulthood so that was fun also the other like relationship i want to mention in this segment is one that was kind of talked about in passing in the book but actually seemed like for the character wendy it would be really important is this i this figure of nurse judy who is her like mentor and volunteer supervisor at the hospital where she where wendy volunteers wendy was describing at this point like in the aftermath of when she returned and her brothers didn't talks about how nurse Judy, Judy was advocating for the patient to the doctors when she didn't agree with the treatment plan. And she was advocating for Wendy when her own parents were in to like tied up in their own grief to like care about their other child or be able to take care of their other child. I appreciate the novel showing that there are people who come out of the woodwork you know these carers the helpers as mr rogers would say you know that come out of the woodwork and they you know don't get a lot of credit but this having someone like this you know when you're in a hospital situation and doctors are gaslighting you and it's, it's fucking scary and like hard to advocate for yourself so i appreciate that there was like a an image of like how to do that i guess or the fact that showing that that's important yeah agreed Now we're going to talk about writing style, narration, characterization, plot structure, and basically whatever else comes to mind in Kill Your Darlings. I'm just going to start us off with something light and say that (laughs) I love the cover artwork and the color palette. Just yes. Love it. 
Um, I'm just now realizing that Kill Your Darlings is like the perfect name for this segment since two of the darling children are killed in this story. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Maybe it's too, is it too soon? Uh, yeah, I don't know. As soon as I said it, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. They're literally the darlings. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so time for my complaint, which maybe is not small. I don't know. But I really fucking hate the reading of Peter Pan as him ushering kids into the afterlife. I didn't see this like until I was an adult, like one of those things like you see on Tumblr or whatever, where they're like, imagine if Peter Pan is actually this. And I was like, no, I don't want to imagine that. Like, I think the story is so sweet with the adventure and being scared about growing up. I don't think it needs this like alternative reading. Like obviously people can read what they want onto a story, but I absolutely hate this reading of Peter Pan. Yeah. So like get <laughs> fucked. <laughs> I'm sorry, Aiden Thomas. Like this was a really good story and I actually really enjoyed it for all the critiques that like we have in this book, but like, bro, <laughs> why? <laughs> Huge. Yeah. Debate. Neverland. It becomes this like purgatory. Yeah. It, it does take it into this like, darker realm like they're kids that have died horrific deaths and stuff and I'm like oh god like I don't know maybe do we need a content warning or some shit like yeah damn for child death like that's a huge thing yeah so yeah I don't think this book came with a content warning which is a little surprising given the like graphic nature of the murder of Wendy's brothers also, I, we didn't talk about this earlier, but I would like to point out that if Mr. Davies was black, they would have found him in like 0.2 seconds and been like, <laughs> They would have been like, they it was like the this is the guy. only black guy in yeah, the town. Exactly. He did it. But yeah, anyways, I really hate this reading of Peter Pan. I see it all over the internet all the time and I wish it didn't exist. I don't know who came up with this, but I hate you. <laughs> I've never seen this before. On like, I'm not like a very online person, so... I hadn't come across this at all. And when I read it, I'm like, okay, this like makes sense how they're doing it. Right. And why we never got to the portal to do the portal fantasy. Right. Cause Wendy's not dead and all these things. Uh, it kind of Peter Pan ended up like almost as this like Elias character from yeah. Saba to here's Ember in the ashes, you know, this like soul shepherd mm -hmm. or whatever. I'm tending to agree with you. Like I understand <laughs> it. I understand this as like a reading a metaphorical reading of the story or whatever but like turning it into I don't know I, I agree with you that I, <laughs> I love the whimsy what like what, the part that I like about Peter Pan is the the magic the whimsy the like fuckery around rules and gender and stuff like that like a place with no adults where you can make your own rules that sounds like an incredible world building opportunity for how to live otherwise you know I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> I feel very strongly about this. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> um, I kind of mentioned it already, but was anyone else in love with Jeremy Sumter as a kid after watching the 2003 Peter Pan? Like, I was obsessed. Obsessed. I love those Andro <sighs> folks. I saw him on TikTok recently being like, remember when everyone was in love with me when I was a child and I'm like yes yes I do I was <laughs> yes I do people. remember that I that was weird but I watched it on repeat like this I think I watched like all the commentary and extras that were on the DVD like I remember like this was 
like I didn't really like the cartoon Peter Pan growing up and it's hella racist also but like oh yeah <laughs> but like, totally this, we haven't even talked about that I know but like the 2003 Peter Pan like actually hired indigenous people like for the movies and like if my memory served me correctly like did not like fall into like these racist stereotypes like it was way better than the book would recommend if you haven't seen it just like go give it a watch you'll fall in I, love I with might Jeremy need Sumter. to it's been it probably I probably haven't seen that since 2003 or 4 so I saw it I in theaters it <laughs> oh really yeah wow I don't remember seeing it in theaters but I remember watching it and being like oh I like that queer looking person <laughs> I like this boy I have feelings <laughs> uh-huh yeah yeah <laughs> Before we end, it's time for real talk. Did reading this book make your perspective change in any way, or did it make you interrogate a concept or system or trend that you hadn't before? I wrote nothing as per usual, so Kelly, take it away. <laughs> I came, so I came up with something as per usual. <laughs> well, mostly like the real talk, real talk is I was like, I cannot wait to talk to Jesse about this because <laughs> I don't know if she's going to like this ending. I don't know what she's going to think about this whole afterlife situation. So I, real talk is I wanted to hear your, <laughs> your unedited opinions and you came through. <laughs> and then also, oh, is you want to say something? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Also, there's Wendy to Peter. If you're busy taking care of yourself, no shit god damn it <laughs> i completely fucked it uh, okay wendy says this to peter on page 294 if you're busy taking care of everyone else who takes care of you i'm like and did you need to call me out like rude <laughs> exactly i yes i will be watching this create your own skincare routine that my bestie sent me <laughs> you're welcome uh, you're welcome <laughs> yep like put okay, it in fine. the show notes for everyone else <laughs> maybe i will start i don't know walking around in my garden it's spring so that'll help yeah uh but anyway yes i felt attacked with this line and i wanted to put it in there to attack you as well yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> uh, take yeah. care of yourselves people audrey lord would say it's a it's political fucking warfare but it's hard <laughs> very it's hard it's like you were telling me how to eat more fiber and i'm like Ugh. Yeah, it's also Stop hard. It. Just oatmeal in the mornings. Uh, it'll change your life. No, Did it you probably try steel won't. cut oats yet? No, I'm too scared because they seem gross. I oh my God, no. I don't want to cook them for like five years. I just want to put in microwave. <laughs> you just put them overnight in water. Uh, that's also more work than I'm, you know, maybe I'll give it a go. I did just buy like a two pound thing. No, I think a 10 pound thing of oatmeal from Costco. Can't so you it'll use be a the while. Instapot or some shit? I don't have an Instapot. <laughs> seriously i feel like this is a missed opportunity for you i know but i looked at like i looked into it and i was like all these cleaning instructions it seems like too much work i'm thinking i'm just gonna buy a fancy rice cooker instead <laughs> mm, yeah and then only cook rice in it yeah exactly that makes sense <laughs> we have okay, a rice I, cooker so i finally got the cards okay it took card me a questions. minute i grabbed the wrong cards as we like ramble for a few minutes while kelly finds the cards <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay what famous actor would you like to hear this, read this story on audiobook? Hmm. You know, I feel like uh, maybe Anne Hathaway would do a really good job. I really like her voice. Um, I know people hate her for some reason. I don't know why, um, but I really like her. I think she'd do good. I, f I can imagine her as Wendy for some reason. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, like someone like Carrie Mulligan or like... Uh... 
Anya Taylor Joy or someone would do like a good. I'm thinking of like who are show up in some of those period pieces that I yeah. like, and I'm like, oh, maybe that would be good, but I don't know why I say that. Anya Taylor Joy is good because she does really good accents. Like if she can do an American accent, she can. Yeah, yeah. She did the Queen's Gambit, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good, so good. Okay, let's pick another question. Did any of the characters help you understand someone you've known? I don't think so. Maybe, maybe Wendy's like the strong friend that we should check on. Yeah, maybe that. I don't know. <laughs> that noticer thing really got me. I have someone in my life who's like that, and it, it is really annoying sometimes. <laughs> and you're like, um, Please okay, stop. noticer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, you want to do one more or call it? Let's do one more. All right. Did anything shock you in the story? Yeah, that Mr. Davies thing. Wait, is that his name? Davies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was really surprised. I was not expecting her brothers to be dead. I did not appreciate it. I still gave it five stars, but... (laughs) I maybe would expect, like, Mr. Darling to have snapped or something. I thought so, too. Like, of all the people, I was like, maybe Mr. Darling, like, he's supposed to be the villain. Obviously. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Library Coven. This is our last episode of the season. We'll be back sometime this summer. We'll update when. it's We're on ish time. What is time, anyway? <laughs> uh, and then we'll have all new stories to talk about. We're excited to pick some books with the folks in our Patreon. As always, we'd love to be in conversation with you, magical folks. Let us know what you think of the episode, anything we missed, or just say hi by dropping a line in the comments or by reaching out to us on Twitter or Instagram at The Library Coven. You can subscribe to The Library Coven on the podcast app of your choice, and we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review the show and spread the word to other rad people out there. If you're able to support our labor financially, you can make a one-time donation to us on Coffee. You can support us monthly on Patreon or by shopping at our bookshop.org affiliate page. If you join us on Patreon, you can even choose a book for us to read next season and Do join it. our wonderful group of friends talking about all things bookish and sometimes baking and sometimes knitting. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like we're not on a break because we have each other. We have each other. Until next time, stay magical. Two, three. Oh shit! I did not do it at the same time as you. <laughs> it's okay. They'll just sync them up. It'll be all right. Okay. <laughs>